This is Richard Proctor. Absolutely. Give the man a round of applause. And uh, he's going to be speaking to us this morning. So, Rich, let's just... Oh, dear, look, I'm making a right mess here, aren't I? Let's pray for you. Father, we want to bless this man. We bless him in your name. We want to thank you, Lord, what you have laid on him. And I just ask, Lord, that you lay it on a bit more. Father, I pray that you invade his thoughts, invade his speaking, invade his words. Lord, may... uh, Lord, we're just asking, may heaven come down. Lord, would you speak to us right to our very core, our very depths, through what you've put upon him this morning. Help him, Lord, to just deliver it. Um, And Lord, we just pray that word, that seed takes hold and grows. So, Father, bless him in your name. He's a really good egg. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Of course, that's not why he blesses me. (laughs) Thank you. Great, I'm going to come here. Fantastic. Well, um, I actually wrote and prepared this um, as part of the series that we did before Christmas, but on the Sunday I was due to speak was the Sunday we had all the snow and we didn't have a meeting. So uh, I've kind of been shifted forward about three months. So if you notice the odd Christmas theme, sneak in here. I did play with having um, uh, Nath play Jingle Bells or something as I came to the front, but, uh, but gave up on that idea. So... Um, so the series was called Moments That Mattered or Matter. I'm never quite sure whether it was Mattered or Matter. But, uh, um, so I'm picking up on that. And I want to start off just by asking us to, um, to stop and to reflect and to remember. And I'll guide us through that. Daniel, if you could put up the next slide with a couple of questions on it. Um, that's it, brilliant. So perhaps you could just, whether you want to do this with your eyes open or eyes closed... Um, just think and just open your heart to God and, and ask him to remind you of uh, a time when maybe he gave you a dream, whether that be a sleeping dream or just a, a something that for which you are to dream, or whether he, when he spoke to you uh, in the past. Just open your heart to him and maybe he'll speak to you in this moment to give you something for yourself, something uh, uh, of a dream, of a purpose, of a vision that he gives you, a word that he gives you. I don't know what's happened in, that, in those moments for you individually, um, but I just trust and hope that God has reminded you of something, I've given you something. It may be a dream that you're carrying. It may be a dream uh, after which you may be disappointed. Uh, it may be something new has dropped into your heart. Um, there are a couple of things in my 
story that God has really given me, which have been uh, a dream from him. One was literally a dream. Um, it wasn't me that had it, but it was for me, and God gave it to me, which had been absolutely foundational and directional uh, for the things that I and Robin as well are, are focused on. Uh, one was about serving the nations, uh, and the other one was uh, actually... I hate to embarrass you, Mary, but I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> Mary Dallow had the same dream twice for me of uh, being in a classical garden, walking away with a stately home behind me through the gardens and turning round and seeing a statue. And below the statue were what looked like coloured flowers. And, and I was attracted to walk towards it, so I walked towards it. And as I got closer, the flowers were moving, which was slightly odd, I think, Mary, in your dream. <laughs> and then... As I got closer still, I saw that actually it wasn't flowers, it was children in lots of different coloured clothes, all running around at the base of this statue, uh, which was facing the house. And as I walked up behind it, it turned and looked at me, and it was Jesus. For me, that's been a really foundational thing, and I carry it as being a really recent thing. And a couple of weeks, I was going through uh, words that God had given me, and discovered that was from 2009. And it had, like I was thinking, it was perhaps 15 or 14 or 13, just because it was carrying so recently in my head. But actually, it's a nine-years-old uh, dream. So that's one that, that, that God has given me, and I'm going to come back to it later. And if I forget, do, do remind me. So I wonder what God is saying to you. And perhaps in what, whatever you thought of in that moment or thinking of now, just hold on to it as I go through um, what uh, I'm going to talk about here. Uh, so next slide, please. Um, well, that's a good way of doing it. <laughs> Just that's it. So I want to take you uh, back into uh, the world of a young couple. It was many years ago. Um, this couple were little people. I don't mean they were little people. I mean they were just ordinary people, nothing special or big in the world. Um, they were unknown outside their own village, their own family, their own friends. They have no great achievements to their name, no great CV to talk of. Uh, they were just unknowns. They were engaged to be married. Uh, he had some aspirations to build up his own little self-employed business. First clue here, as a carpenter. And he had an aspiration to marry his beautiful fiancée and to have a family. She, really far too young and far too unempowered in the culture of the society in which they lived, uh, perhaps even to have any sense of what her future held, except that she was in love with her carpenter and she was looking forward uh, to getting married. Next slide, Daniela, please. It's really easy, isn't it, to create a kind of an aura around people from history because we know them for what they achieved and where they got to. You know, so when Reg Dwight was sitting, you know, kind of doing music and trying to get her a little bit, he was never to know that he would become Elton John, world-famous global star. He might have dreamt of it, he might have had an idea, but he had no way of knowing that would happen. And nobody else knew who he was. Perhaps for those who are just slightly older than remembering Reg Dwight, Harry Webb was probably in the same situation. Steve, I can see those who Harry Webb is. Cliff Richard, thank you, Phoebe. <laughs> um, oh, gosh. 
maybe Justin Bieber had a dream of becoming big and famous, but he was just a little kid in Canada in his, in his, in his home trying to make it. But nobody was to know. Nobody knew him. He was just an ordinary, ordinary lad who then went on to become something else. But, of course, these people then become big in our minds. You know, Elton John, uh, Justin Bieber. I'm sure there's others that are more modern. I do listen to this stuff because my daughter's put Capital Radio on as soon as they get in the car, and as they're closing the door as they get out, I switch it back to Radio 4. Uh, (laughs) And they're getting, oh, Dad, what are you listening to? Bang, Capital Radio. (laughs) So I hear these modern singers, old man that I am. So, So, yeah, so... The point is that these people start off as ordinary people in an ordinary family. And so did Mary and Joseph. They were just ordinary people. If you could perhaps put up the, the, the next picture, it just, just gives, gives it all away. They had no idea of becoming the holy couple. Beloved of God. The Virgin Mary. The mother of God. There was no sense of that whatsoever for them. Um, just this ordinary couple in an outback of the Roman Empire in a tiny little village that had a big lake by it that in their minds was so big that everybody called it the sea, the Sea of Galilee. And here's Joseph discovering that his fiancée is pregnant. That is an absolute no-no in their village, in their culture, in their society. I mean, apart from the fact that he'd been a good boy, and it was definitely not her who'd got her into this position, and he thought they were in love. He thought that she loved him. He thought she was young and innocent and pure. So how this... Over and above this, they were a very religious community. And he knew exactly how that would be viewed. Perhaps put up the next slide, don't you? We got an insight into this culture when Amy Waring came, which in my notes says two weeks ago. (laughs) So two weeks before I was due to speak in December. Um, Of the woman caught in adultery. And this picture that was part of her presentation of the young woman caught having extramarital sex, dragged naked into the public square and put in front of, and as you can see, almost like a a wall of religious, judging, condemning leaders. That was the culture into which this was happening to this young couple. What were they to do? There was no morning after pill, no termination, No escape. And then, God steps in, in a dream, into Joseph's life. Next slide. So Joseph has a dream in which an angel, a messenger from God, appears to him and tells him it's okay. God is the father of the baby. It is an immaculate conception. His fiancée is indeed to be the mother of God. Wow. Fancy waking up from that. But it was only a dream. 
How real is that? It was a bit dramatic. Maybe he'd never ever had such a dream. Or a dream that he actually remembered when he woke up. We just don't know. But he did have choice. He could choose, am I going to believe this? Or am I not going to believe it and just see it as a dream? Am I going to obey? Or am I not going to obey? Am I going to risk being completely ostracized, excommunicated, being a social outcast? Or am I not? What was he going to do? Okay, because we've got this sort of Elton John view of this, we do know what happened. Actually, I'm not sure if that's Elton John's view, but you know what I mean. <laughs> we do know what he did. So I'm going to skip ahead a little bit to Joseph's second dream. Next slide, please. So the baby's born, okay? Lots of amazing things happen. All the stuff from the dream seems to be true. There are glazed and amazed shepherds. There are exotic visitors from the east with expensive and mysterious gifts. They must have been wondering, what is going on? Except they kind of knew what was going on, but it must have been amazing for them. And it's all going really well. But then Joseph has another dream. It's a dream in which he's told that the baby is in danger and they need to get up and they need to flee to Egypt for safety. A little story in my family that my dad was in Sunday school as a little boy apparently and was asked to draw a picture of the Mary and Joseph fleeing to Egypt. So he did this picture of this you know, couple with a baby and she was on a donkey and he was walking and then there was this big black dot in the corner and the Sunday school teacher said, that's a lovely picture Tom, but, but what's the dot? He said, oh that's the flea. <laughs> Sophia, I could see a few of you going, you know, before I even got there. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so he has this dream, but just think about it again. So Joseph had no kind of in, Mary had no kind of in to the king's chamber. There was no warning. They didn't have spies reporting back about what was going to happen. There was no kind of sweating runner arriving with a message or camel-bearing rider coming with a message, royal decree, to say this is what's going to happen, giving them time to get out. They just had the dream. Nothing else. They're beginning to settle in. They've probably been in Bethlehem for about two years. They've begun to get established. Maybe his business is beginning to sort of, you know, get, get good customers and, and, and work well. Uh, they'll have got friends around them. Um, it is Joseph's sort of historical family village, so maybe they're closer to family than they were before in their previous village in Nazareth. Um, They've got through all the storm of uh, traveling for the census to Bethlehem, the, the baby being born in a smelly barn. Um, they've had all the adoration of the shepherds. Uh, they've just had the visitation of these wise men, rich men, bearing their gifts. And then they get this strange dream. What's he going to do? Again, 
he's got a choice. He can believe it or he can not believe it. He can obey or he can ignore it. They can stay in what would become familiar, safe, at least it feels safe, amongst friends and head into the unknown. I mean, what did he know about Egypt? What did they know about Egypt? Remember, this wasn't the world of multimedia and so on. Um, it's true that to them to stay in Bethlehem would have been catastrophic. And it had been too late to wait for the evidence of the soldiers arriving to then do a runner. Um, but what are the alternatives? What if they got it wrong? They didn't know anything about Egypt. They probably had the stories of old from, from another man called Joseph for where it had been a place of delivery, but then a place of captivity, a place of danger. How did they know that the journey would be safe or that they would find somewhere safe? Perhaps they could Google Earth it and try and find somewhere. Oh, no, they couldn't do that. Perhaps they could Instagram a bit. To their friend. No, they couldn't do that. <laughs> you know, they didn't have any of the things that we've got to, to plan ahead, to, to, to make connections. They just had to get off and go. On the basis of a dream. So what were they going to do? So, I just want to stop there and pause for a minute and go back into a little bit of reflection. So, at the beginning, I asked you just to sort of reflect a bit on um, uh, hearing God about some dream that he has or word that he's giving you. Um, Let's just stop for a moment and have some quiet again and just think again and, and, and listen to God and speak to God about, okay, so with that thing that I've got, what am I doing? What have I done? What do I need to do? Okay. Daniela, I can put next slide. So what are your choices? What choices are you making? What choices have you made about what God is saying to you? Around the time that um, many of you will know this story, I won't particularly tell it, go into details for those of you who don't, but around the time about, um, well it was coming up to six years ago, uh, when it, be clear, it became clear in our family that Robin uh, couldn't work anymore and that I needed to give more time to family. Um, and I was working out what to do. 
Um, a friend of mine, some of you will know, Steve Dobson, uh, had a word for me, which was um, that I was stood in a room surrounded by doors, and I was trying different doors, and they were all closed. But the door that opened was one that took me back to something that God had already said to me in the past. And it was about going back to that. And it led to me leaving the work I was in at the time, becoming a full-time carer for a year or so, uh, and then doing just bits and pieces of work in order to be freed up uh, for time. But the stuff that immediately I knew what that was talking about was all the stuff about children and young people. So I remember it's three years after Mary's dream. And... Um, I'd always worked. It's sort of about like going back to things I'd done in the past. Well, I'd been running youth camps from when I was sort of 18 through till I was about sort of 35. I'd worked at the Gaines that one or two of you know, which is a centre for youth activities for six years. I was a manager of that. So it was a real sense of going back to young people. Uh, and, of course, Robin and I had... Oh, so wherever she's sitting. And, and Dems uh, living with us and we're becoming very much part of the, of the adoption and fostering world. Um, so there was a sense then of being reminded of what God had said and needing to make a decision to do something different, which stepped away from what I was doing, but kind of took me back into stuff that God had already given me. That's just the next step of that story I told you at the beginning. So, I'm going to retrack a little bit, because it is Mother's Day, so I can't talk about Joseph the whole time, can I? <laughs> so, what of Mary? So let's remember again, she's no great saint of fame. She's not yet become the revered and popularly titled Virgin Mary, Mother of God, and so on. She's just Mary. God kind of gives her a better chance than he gave Joseph because he didn't give her a dream. He actually sent an angel in person to speak to her. Um, But then she did have the bigger ask. I mean, Joseph had to just kind of sort of go along this journey with her, whereas she had to have the baby. (laughs) Uh, And she had to be known as the one who'd have this baby out of wedlock. Um, She had to be the one who was kind of seen out and about with her bump. The unfaithful one. The unmarried one. Carrying a bastard. (coughs) Mocked, maybe, with her tales of angels. God impregnation. Yeah, right. Ha. She had to make decisions about how she was going to handle that. So it may have been a bit more, okay, this is real, there's an angel standing in front of me, but she still had to make choices how she was going to respond. Uh, next slide. So what was going to happen? Of course, this is pre-Joseph's dream, so she didn't know how he was going to react. Would he abandon her? Is God really asking me to do this? Could bring the loss of Joseph, leaving her alone with her bastard child. Alone, perhaps, in really understanding what God is doing. Nobody else to support her around. And she's still got to be faced with the back-breaking journey at term in her first pregnancy uh, to go to Bethlehem. And yet she had a promise. So was she going to live in fear? Was she going to live in trepidation of what they were going to do? 
Was she going to doubt and disbelieve that it could happen? Or was she going to believe? Was she going to receive God's word with joy and with faith? We know what she did, but it wasn't inevitable that she should do that. She was just an ordinary person who'd had a word from God. What she was going to do with it? I mean, you could say, did she really have a choice? You know, an angel appeared to her in person and spoke. So, maybe a bit easier than for Joseph, but nonetheless, she had her choices to make. And actually, she did have a choice. Because not long before, a man called Zechariah had had exactly the same experience. An angel had appeared, the same angel, had appeared in front of him and given him a message about his wife having a baby, even though they were both too old really to have children. And he'd said, I can find it, how can I be sure that this will happen? I'm an old man now. And my wife has gone on in years. He expressed his doubt. And for that, he had a, a was silence imposed on him. And I love the response by Gabriel. It was the kind of, probably the Aramaic equivalent of, duh, which was, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. And you're saying, hmm, how can I be sure that this will happen? But he did. He had that choice, and that's the choice that he took. He did come round, <laughs> and he did stand against others who wanted to name the, the baby after his family name and said, no, it's going to be John, because that's what God had said. But it took him a bit of time to get there. So Mary had choices. Zachariah proved that there was choice. She had a choice. Her response was not to say, how can I be sure this will happen, but to say, how, uh, how can this happen? Yes. But he doesn't say, how can I be sure? How can it work? Gabriel then explains the alternative facts of life, i.e. God is going to plant his seed in you. Um, and then she says, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you've said about me come true. So she makes the choice of faith. That's the next slide as well, Daniela. So the angel left her. I just wonder when Mary said that, he kind of went, oh, okay, finally, someone who gets it, you know, job done, I'm off. And back he goes into the presence of God uh, and, and leaves Mary with it. And then we can see how when Mary goes off, she goes to visit Elizabeth, her cousin, and she feels the baby leap in her uh, in a belly, is that the right word? I'm not very good at this. <laughs> and, uh, and she sings the Magnificat, the song of praise. I think, is there a slide with that on? Is that the next slide? There we are. So, you know, she sings, My soul magnifies the Lord, my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour, for he's looked on the humble estate of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. So she received God's word. She was in obedience. She in trust. And despite all the risk around that of what people around her would say, she looked to what God was doing and what the future would bring. Okay. If we've gone to the next slide, I think I've already made the point that's on the next slide. Yeah, so keep going on to the next one. So... Now, my story that I've been telling isn't really one of, of, 
of having fear or, uh, you know, sort of awful things. But I just wanted to include a little bit of my own story to kind of make it real for now and make it about us as well as about what happened to Mary and Joseph. Um, because, you know, I just kept on plugging away at those things which I know God has put on my heart and not quite knowing where it was going. I've always felt uh, in, in sort of professional life and... Um, uh, and in kind of leadership terms, for many years, I've kind of felt that I was second or third tier, second or third division, if you like. And so, you know, I never quite sort of was the one that was picked to to be at the top. And I had this real, I wanted to be, I wanted to be the big one. Okay, and I was never quite there. And um, uh, so, you know, through all this time, I've had these, the choices to make as I've gone along about my attitude. and that And that has changed as we've gone through all of this. Uh, with the help of some of you and encouragement and prayer and me thinking things through and reflecting and going before God myself, kind of got to a point where I let go of all of that. Um, I remember once talking about how I really wanted to get an, an OBE because I've got at least 10 mates who've got OBEs and MBEs. And you're like, I want one of them. I've done some good stuff as well. <laughs> I kind of let go of all that sort of stuff. Um, and um, uh, just plugged away, doing Home for Good, doing stuff for Adoption UK, uh, making sure I stayed focused on, as I wasn't always as much as I could have been, on just being there for Robin and the girls. And um, uh, just God has given me different opportunities. Uh, and I didn't particularly set out, in fact, this story isn't in these notes. It was only came to me as I was sitting there at the beginning, um, just to share it. Because actually, a week on Tuesday and Wednesday, I'm going for the first time to facilitate the team that leads World Without Orphans Europe. On, on creating a movement across Europe to provide homes for children that need them that don't have them around foster care and adoption. And I've been asked to lead that team for a year or two. So as I sort of plugged away at this, God has gradually brought about what he's purposed. I spoke to Mary last week and said, remember that dream? <laughs> so I'm, I'm really excited about that. I'm also very cautious because I know that there's a bit of me from old that goes, you know, I'm doing this. But Actually, that is a small part of me now. It would have been a big part. Maybe that's why I couldn't have it before. <laughs> but uh, it would have been a big part of me. But it, it's, now it's just a real encouragement and exciting of something that, that, that God has brought about. I also find it exciting that in our little church in the back streets of Worcester, well, not quite the back streets of Worcester, uh, whilst I'm doing that, Graham is leading people in education in Europe and trying to, you know, with a vision that every child in Europe would have a Christian teacher for a year and he's chairing Eureka, which is the body of the European Union that talks about Christians' involvement in education across Europe. So, you know, little old Graham from the River School, <laughs> little old me from self-employed business consultancy, you know, little market town in Yorkshire, and God's using it. And that's not, that's not just me and Graham. God is doing this kind of thing with people all over the country. And it isn't all about doing the big Europe stuff. It's just about what God is doing in different people's lives to have influence uh, across our city, across our country. And God's using... I mean, it would take me too long to go around all of you that are involved in different aspects of our society here and impacting on uh, people who are poor, people who are suffering. Um, in fact, as I look around, I'm thinking every other person I'm seeing, I can see, oh, you're doing that and you're doing that. Um, so... Um, there's something here about what we do with what God says to us. So, you know, we have these... When God gives us something, we've got these choices. Do we wonder whether it's right? Do we doubt? Do we go into, oh, what does that mean? Do 
Do we walk away from it? Or do we go, okay, I'll, I'll kind of take a step in that direction. I think one of the mistakes that we make, one of the mistakes that I often made, is to try and kind of, all oh, right, I'm going to make that happen, and you want it to happen in, in a year or two. But actually, you know, God's word to me about working with young people goes back to when I was a teenager, 40 years ago. Mary's dream goes back nine years. The other word I talked about, the nations, goes back to 1995. What's that, 23? Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, years. So I th- we just have to step in the direction that God wants us to go. We don't necessarily have to leap to the destination as we see it. Um, so I want to encourage you. I don't know what you've been imagining. You might have been thinking, I'm not connecting with this. God's saying nothing to me. I'll just listen and see what I can tell <laughs> Whatever it is. But just whatever God's saying in your life, if you have got a dream, if you've had literally a sleeping dream or somebody's given you a dream, or if you've just got a sense of, now this is where God wants to take me, step in that direction and see what happens. Because that's what Joseph and Mary did when they got the, vision, the, the dream about going to Egypt. They just got on their feet or their donkey or however they travelled with Jesus and they set off and they went to, um, to Egypt. And guess what happened a few years later? Another dream. Go home, it's safe. And they had to believe that as well. And they had to, keep, and they had to follow that as well. Um, so I don't know what dreams you've got. Where are we at at the moment? We're on that one. <laughs> Paper's falling over. So let's take a, a final moment to reflect. I've not been watching the clock. Oh, we're okay. Let's take a final moment to reflect. Um, about the choices you have. And I think I've talked a bit about promises of, you know, choices about things to do in the future. I've talked about, you know, sort of my journey. I've talked about the journey of going to, uh, going to Egypt and so on. But I just want to remind us again about Mary's choice because she didn't really get any choice. She was going to have the baby. Okay. It was all about how she handled the situation she was in. So what's God saying to you about that? You might be in a situation that is difficult. What's God saying to you? Where are you going to walk with that? Are you going to go with the fear and the doubt and the uncertainty? Or are you going to walk in faith and trust and, and, and you know, sort of hold on to God in that? So let's have a... I'll go quiet and give you some chance just to reflect and seek God on that.
So just before we I give you your chance to respond and to receive prayer, and we and we'll have a little bit more worship. Let me just make one say one other thing, which has just dropped into my head. <laughs> I really believe God wants to make a big impact on this city, and I think God wants to use us. And I don't think, sorry, I do think it's about people becoming Christians and knowing God, but it's also at every level of our society. It's in the world of social services, which I'm connected with uh, through Home for Good. It's in the world of business and commerce. It's in the world of teaching and education. It's in the world of healthcare. And there are probably others that you can list. And a number of us are placed in those different places in our jobs or as pupils and students. Uh, we're in places where we can have an impact for God. And I think there's a real sense of, of God speaking to us about how we make that impact. For years, we've talked about, uh, for 10 years, the vision of Win Worcester and the world. And one of the kind of criticisms that I've heard and, and reflections on it is, well, it's not really a strategy, it's just a kind of a strap line. Well, I think there's a sense of that begins to come together into things that we're doing, that God is calling us into, uh, and I think there's a lot more. We need to think about that more. We need to work on that a lot more, and we need to engage with it more. But I really do sense there's an opportunity for us. I know I'm meeting on Tuesday morning with a guy who's just retired, uh, who was the head of adoption services for Worcestershire, and he's meeting with me so that I can sort of squirrel away and find out the best ways of getting into his ex-colleagues. Now he can be open and honest with me. Uh, and, he is a, and he is a Christian, so he's you know, on our side. So <laughs> uh, but that's just one opportunity, and I know there are others uh, in different spheres of our, of our local and regional society. Um, and I, you know, so I want to really, the reason I'm saying it now is, you know, my dream was about, was about how God was using me in a particular sort of voluntary sphere, if you like. Uh, but actually, your dream might be about how he's using you at work or where you're going to be placed at work, or which sector you're in. I forgot the legal world and the <laughs> financial world and probably an accountant or two around the place. So, you know, where has he placed you? What's your dream for what he's doing there? What's he saying to you? Let's pray into that and take steps in the right direction um, because, you know, we're going to have opportunities to impact this city and the kind of decisions it's made, the kind of values that it has and the kind of way that it cares for its poor and, and for its suffering. And, uh, and we are part of that. And the way government is at the moment, uh, and, and, you know, I'm not, this is not knocking the current government because actually it goes back probably 15 years that we've seen coming that government won't have the money to provide the welfare that it meant to provide. Uh, so we are the body of Christ. We can do that. So what's our dream? And are we going to believe it? Are we going to have confidence for it? Are we going to step out towards it? And I encourage us to do so. So I've said quite a bit there, including stuff that I haven't prepared. Uh, so, so perhaps Ash and your team will come back up. Whatever it is, if God's touched you and you'd like to either just talk that through or to receive prayer or encouragement, then just do... Uh, turn to somebody there or come up to the front, as is our tradition, because we're a church with traditions. Uh, and, uh, uh, and whoever is the right person to come and pray with you will do that and encourage you. Thank you.